Well, let me uh, just walk you a little down memory lane for a moment. Uh, I, I want you to think about all of your friends growing up. I, I want you to think about, go back to, to elementary school, go back to as young as you can remember. Who, who were those kids, that, that good friend that you had? What were the things that you guys did together that you enjoyed? Are you, are you thinking about who that, who that was? Okay, now I want you to move towards middle school. Okay, so you've gone through elementary school, you, you moved to middle school, is it still the same friend? Have, have some new kids come into your life? How was the, the friendship, the dynamic maybe changed? Go to high school. How many of you still have the same friend right now? Okay, all right. Okay, what was it like in high school to have friends, right? When you think back to what you did as kids to what you did in high school, right? What was that like for you? And then you move on to college. And then in college, you have a whole new world of experience. There's all kinds of new people that you meet. Are you still in good contact with the, the friend that you once talked to all the way from elementary school? Are you still keeping close or have those friendships and dynamics changed over the years? <laughs> I don't know where to go with that one, but hey, you, you just keep breathing. How's that sound? You know, when you're a kid, you're, you basically just hang out with whoever your parents plop in front of you, right? Whoever it is, you're just playing with them, and, and that's how it works. But, but as you start to get older, you start to make decisions about who your friends are. And you, a lot of times when you're younger, it's just, do we play the same kind of games? Are we into the same hobbies? You know, do we, do, do we, do we play sports together? Do we, do, do we do dance together? And then as you start getting older, you start to think a little bit more about who it is that you're hanging out with. And you start to think about some of those personalities, right? Do we get along well? Uh, or do we start to really annoy each other? Is it somebody that I can spend a lot of time with? Or is it somebody that like I'm in a room with and I'm like, you know, 10, 15 minutes is good enough. I need to get away from this person. And then as you get even older, you start to consider other things like like what is what is their vision of the future? What does their worldview look like? Does what they think about ultimately in life, does it match up with the way that I think? Because as we start to get older, we make those decisions. And I'm sure a lot of you have probably had friends that you hung out with. And then as you started to get older, you realized, you know, we're probably not moving in the same direction. And sometimes it's a gradual drift where you, you think, you know what, we just won't talk as much, we just won't hang out as much. And I think for some of you, you might have had some of those friends where you had to make a very active and intentional decision to say, I don't think I'm gonna hang out with this person anymore. Because we know that the value of friendship is tremendously influential in our lives. Because really good friends can walk us down a path of blessing, right? And sometimes our really good friends can walk us down a road that can be very destructive. Because sometimes a friend can speak into your life and provide wisdom and knowledge. And sometimes you have some of those friends that when you look back, probably made some of the most irrational decisions in your life. And you just think, why did I ever listen to them? Well, I want you to think about all those different friends now. And if 
if those different individuals were, were, were here today and, and they invited you over to dinner and you had a chance to sit down at their house, you can't go to everybody's house for dinner. Who is the friend that you would accept the invitation to? And who is the one that you would say to yourself, I probably should decline that? Because that's what we're going to take a look at today, that you guys are going to have an invitation to dine at someone's house. And which choice you make is going to be very important. Now, we're still out of the historical flow. Last week, we talked about the book of Psalms, right? So we're in the area of kings, uh, Saul, David, Solomon. uh, And we got a real personal and poetic view last week of the heart of God's scriptures and, and his heart and the heart of God's people. And today we're, we're still kind of in that world of stepping out of the historical flow. But now we're going to look at God's wisdom today in the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to chapter one of Proverbs. Proverbs is the most notable of all of the wisdom books. Uh, and, and it goes from chapter one to 31. But chapters 10 through 31 are all of the quick hit nuggets of truth. Right. Those are the ones that kind of read like a fortune cookie for us. But before we get to that, we have to take a look at chapters one through nine, because chapters one through nine really sets the stage for the rest of the book of Proverbs. And really, you can't start reading chapter 10 through 31 until you've made a decision about what you read in chapters one through nine. Now, Solomon, King Solomon, is the author of most of these Proverbs, which shouldn't surprise us because when Solomon is presented to God in a dream and he says, you can have anything you want, Solomon says to God, I want wisdom. He doesn't choose power. He doesn't choose wealth. He chooses wisdom. And so we know that the scriptures say that that Solomon is granted that he's one of the wisest men in all of the land. He, he really is probably one of the wisest men that have ever walked this earth. And God grants him that kind of knowledge. And so we're not surprised that he's the one who's going to write most of Proverbs to us. But just like David and just like Saul, Solomon was not perfect. He was a flawed human being. And it continues to show us that there is only one true king that exists, and that is Jesus Christ. But as I said, before we get to chapter 10. If we want to go further in that, we have to make a decision about chapters 1 through 9. So here's how Solomon starts the book of Proverbs. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So he starts off with it. He says, look, if you want to enjoy a good life, if you want to do what is right and fair and just, then what you need to do is you need to follow the words of this book. And right from the get-go, he lays out the ultimate premise of wisdom for us. He says that all is going to boil down to this simple matter. And then he says it's the fear of the Lord. That's what it's all going to culminate to. If you want to be wise, you need to fear the Lord. 
And if you reject that fear, well, then you're not going to be wise. If you choose to, to, to not follow that, you're going to be silly. It actually kind of uses the word perverse, that, that if you are choosing to turn away from what is good and right, you are going to do unreasonable things in your life and you would be a fool. You would be silly. And in verses eight and nine, Solomon continues and he says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace, uh, a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And he's going to continue from chapters one through nine now with this kind of style. Listen, my son, son, listen to me. I'm pleading with you. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Listen to the words that I'm speaking. I want you to treasure them in your heart. I want you to wear them around your neck. Wherever you go, this is what you need to hold on to, son. And so it's a conversation now between a father and his son about wisdom. And as he goes through, he's, he, he's going to personify wisdom and we're going to call her Lady Wisdom. And he says, you need to listen to her because she's really, really smart. And she's, she's, she's going to make it go well for your life if you just pay attention. And as he goes through this, he's also going to introduce Lady Folly. And, and he says, you've got to stay away from her, son. She's an adulterous woman and she's going to lead you down a path. She's going to lead you into evil and sin. You need to stay away and you need to follow Lady Wisdom as you go through. And so he continues this from chapters one all the way to chapter nine. So flip over with me now to chapter nine. He's going to he's going to bring the conclusion of his discussion to his son to an end in chapter nine. Starting in verse one, it says, wisdom has built her house. She has honed out her silver uh, seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, come eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live and walk in the way of understanding. So he said, you got an invitation in the mail and it's Lady Wisdom. She's inviting you over to dinner. And, and, and to lay some context, he says, listen, her home, it's, it's well built. It's like this beautiful mansion. And when you go, She's prepared all the food. She's put it all together. She's mixed the wine. She's got the table set. She sent out her maids and, and they're inviting everyone to come and sit at her table. And, and she's inviting you. Please just come and dine. And son, if you go and you dine at her house. It's an invitation to live and to walk in understanding. But son, you also got another invitation in the mail. Now I'm going to rearrange the order a little bit. So I'm going to hop over to verse 13. I will come back to verses 7 through 12. But let's just hop over to verse 13 for a moment. It now says, the woman folly is loud. She's undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. 
Let all who hear who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet and food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. Son, you got another invitation. And this is from Lady Folly. And Lady Folly is offering you to come and eat too, but boy, she's loud. She's obnoxious. She's undisciplined. You know, instead of sending out people as an invitation, she just stands there at the door and she's just kind of shouting out to whoever's passing by. It's almost as if like she's some sort of predator just waiting for this hapless prey to come walking across that she can lure in and seduce into her house. And she's offering a meal too. But it's not a meal that's set at the table. It's a meal that she's stolen and has to be eaten in secret to enjoy it. And hers is an invitation. Hers is an invitation to death and to a cemetery. So son, you've got two choices here. You've got two invitations of which one you're gonna choose. And so again, we've got one house that it's like you're going to a formal dinner party and there's probably going to be music and you're going to be well-treated and, and there's going to be servants and you're going to sit down and it's going to be great conversation. Or you can go to the other one, which is some backwoods diner where you're wondering the whole time, am I going to be the next person on the meal? And you're going to have to eat your food in a wonderful conversation around good friends or you're going to have to eat it like some sort of animal trying to protect your food because somebody might try to steal it back from you so those are your two choices son you, you got to make a decision who are you going to accept but the father says listen before you make a choice I've got some more information to you because I want you to make the, the, the wisest decision so Solomon writes a whole nother book the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you want to flip over there now, before you flip, bookmark chapter nine of Proverbs, because we're going to come back to that. But he writes another book, Ecclesiastes. And Solomon experiences the world. And he says, listen, I've tried everything in this world. And I'm going to write a book about what it's like, of what I've experienced. So you can all make sense of all of this. So in the same way that he starts Proverbs, he starts Ecclesiastes with the same sense of starting with truth. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, The words of the teacher, son, of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So I've experienced it all. And that's what I've come to learn. Now, that word meaningless is actually the idea of, of a smoke or a vapor, right? You, you've all seen smoke before. And if you ever tried to grab it, it's futile, right? It just disappears. And that's the, 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 the word picture that he's giving here. He says, everything that you can try is absolutely futile in this world. And the reason why he says it is for two things. He says, one is because of time, and another reason is because of death. 
And so he's going to talk about both of those. So he starts with time right here in verse 3. He says, What does man gain from all of his labor, at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. He says, what do you gain in life from all of your work? What do you gain in life from all of your labor? You're not going to gain anything. Because the cycle of creation is going to continue. The sun is going to rise and it's going to set. The wind is going to blow here and the wind is going to blow that way. The streams are going to flow and they're going to flow this way. Whatever you do is not going to change life. You know, there's a reason why we have the popular passage of chapter three, right? Chapter three, how does it start? There's a, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal. To weep, to laugh, to mourn, to dance, to scatter, to gather. To keep, to throw away, to tear, to mend, to be silent, to speak, to love, to hate, to war and peace. He says, listen, the cycle of life is going to continue. Whatever you do is not going to stop that. So all of your work is going to be meaningless. So he continues and he reflects upon a whole bunch of different ideas of specific things that he experienced. And then he comes to Ecclesiastes in chapter 9. And he says, here's the other big idea. So not only does time continue, regardless of what you do, but in chapter 9, he says, listen, the bottom line is you're all going to die. And so in chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, he says, So I reflected on this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do in God's hands. But no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. You all are going to die, whether you were good or whether you were bad, whether you did right or wrong. It doesn't matter. None of you can escape the grave. So if you selfishly make a lot of money or you're very charitable, you're going to die. If you remain faithful to your wife or you cheat on her, you're going to die. Whether you follow the laws of government or whether you break them, you're going to die. Because in the end, saint or sinner, you will all become worm food. And Solomon, again, as I said, has experienced all kinds of things. And he says, I tried it, guys. I sought wisdom and it was meaningless. I, I tried to work really hard with my hands, and it was meaningless. I tried to accumulate wealth, and it was meaningless. I sought power, and it was meaningless. I sought accolades and honors and prestige. It was meaningless. 
I, I tried to accumulate as many toys as I could get, and it was meaningless. I tried to just seek pleasure in life, and it was meaningless. I even tried rote routine religion, and that was meaningless. Because again, whatever you do that you think is going to provide purpose and, and, and joy and happiness, I've tried it. And guys, let me just tell you again, it's worthless. It will fail you. Because again, time marches on and you're going to die. So in the end, Solomon brings the book of Ecclesiastes to a close. He says, I'm going to conclude everything that I've told you about in this world. So in chapter 12, in a very simple two verses, he says, here's what I've learned about all of life. He says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or bad. He says, listen, fear God and keep his commandments. That is what I have learned about this world and my existence. Because God is going to judge all of us. We're all going to stand before the throne room of God and we're going to have to give an answer to our lives. But isn't it interesting that he starts Proverbs with the fear of the Lord and he concludes Ecclesiastes with the fear of the Lord. He bookmarks his wisdom with the ultimate premise of how he starts and concludes what is wisdom in this world. And I'm not talking about humanly wisdom, but I'm talking about true, objective, absolute truth. And that begins with the fear of the Lord. And now just to define that again, because when we think of the word fear, we think of terrified. But fear is the idea of reverent awe, right? That, that I can recognize the, the authority and the power of something. Almost like a, a king of the Middle Ages, right? That, that recognition of how great somebody is. That's what it means to, to fear, uh, the, fear the Lord. It's a healthy recognition. And in that, we understand the ultimate power that God holds and, and that God does as he pleases. But yet in that very same understanding, not only does God hold on to that, but he also is good and loving and kind. That God chooses to bless us. But if he punishes us, then he must. But that's not God's desire. God's desire is to love and care and provide and give us things in this world. But if we're going to disobey, he's going to handle that. So our understanding of the fear of the Lord is to marvel at the character of God for how great and wonderful he is and how he bestows blessing upon our lives that we do not deserve. And so I can love God for that while at the same moment recognizing the scepter of power that he holds. So now if we go back to Proverbs chapter nine, so flip back again. Because the son, again, has been invited to dinner and he's got to make a decision. 
And he says, son, I just told you about how this world looks. So we're going to finish this off. But before you make a decision, I want to provide some final little statements to you because I really, really want you to get this right. He says, again, you can dine with Lady Wisdom or you can dine with Lady Folly. Either one, it's up to you, but you got to make a choice. And I just told you everything that Lady Folly told you. Lady Folly said, choose pleasure, choose money, choose wealth. She's going to tell you that if you do all of those things, that life is going to be happy and wonderful for you. And son, what I'm telling you is, is that she is a liar and that is not going to go well. She will not satisfy your heart. You're going to be left empty. So dad makes his final pitch here. Going back to Proverbs now, verse seven. He says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker, he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. He says, son, I can tell you the wise and I can tell you the fool because here's how it works. When someone has provided truth and instruction, the wise will listen to that truth and that instruction. They, they will absorb it like a sponge. They will make it part of their life and they will make changes. But when truth and instruction are provided to the fool, he's going to reject it. And he's going to despise not only that truth, but he's also going to hate you in the process. So I can tell who is wise and I can easily tell who a fool is. So right now I'm telling you, son, be wise and accept the truth. And so dad finishes it off in verse 10. Son, I'm going I'm to end this for you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. So that's it. You've been invited. You can sit at either table. It's up to you. But I'm telling you again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Lady wisdom is calling out to you, son. She is beckoning you. She sent out her servants to go find you. Don't make the wrong decision. So is it wisdom or folly? Is it life or death? And when the dad is speaking to the son and we read this, we have to realize that the father is speaking to us. And he says, Adam, what is it going to be? Whose invitation are you going to accept? Because we all have to make that choice. And you know what? Wisdom is being preached to us since the very beginning. It was a promise in the garden. It was a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was a promise to David that on his throne, one of his descendants would sit forever. 
It, it, was, it was the announcement on Christmas morning to the shepherds in the field. It's the prophet Isaiah who called out that there is going to be a suffering servant for you. That is the wisdom that has been preached throughout all of history and will continue to be preached. Wisdom is always said to us in Matthew 6. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. If you want everything in this world, seek the kingdom of God. And in Philippians 4.19, it says that God will meet all of my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If you want to be wise, you seek the kingdom of God and that kingdom is Jesus Christ. And when you have Jesus Christ, you will have everything that you ever needed in this world and the world to come. So that is where you need to put priority in your life. Because when we have Christ, what do we have? We have forgiveness. And when we have forgiveness, we have salvation. And when we have salvation, we have all of eternity before us. So the wisest decision that you can make in this world is to accept Christ. To accept the fact that he came and he died on the cross and that he rose again three days later and shed his blood for you. So that you may be forgiven. That is the wisest decision you can make is to accept that truth. The most foolish thing that anybody can do in this world is to reject exactly what Christ did. It's to look at Christ and say, I don't believe him. I don't think that he died for me. I don't need his forgiveness. He didn't exist. That is the most foolish thing that anybody can do. And I'll tell you what, the world plays that up, doesn't it? The world's going to come and say, heaven and hell doesn't exist. Don't worry, guys. Or it's going to come along and say, hey, we all get in. It doesn't matter what you've done. We all get to go to heaven. Those are all lies that the foolish one has told us. So what does God want? God says, I want you to choose wisdom. I want you to choose wisdom so much that I sent my son to die for it. So we all have a choice again. What are we going to choose? Which invitation are you going to accept? Are you going to choose wisdom? Or are you going to choose folly? Because if we choose wisdom, we choose Christ. And when we choose Christ, what do we get? We get life. Let's pray. Lord, there's so many teachings in this world that we get. Father, we can enter any bookstore. We can go online and see the, the countless numbers of self-help. The how to get rich, the how to lose weight, the how to have a good marriage, the how to be successful. The, the, the how to be whatever it is that we want to be in this world. But Lord, the, the only book that we need is your word. Because in it, it has given us the truth. That if we want life, if we want the greatest life that we can have, if we want true blessing, it starts by following you. 
And Lord, I pray for those that again may have come and, and have yet to make a decision who are trying to figure out this world. I pray that their hearts right now again would be steered towards you. And I pray that as we go out into this world, Lord, we offer that invitation to others. There's only two paths to walk and we can only walk one of them. But I thank you, God, that you are a good and benevolent king, that you are kind and loving and so good and gracious, that you have forgiven our sins, Father. And though we don't deserve to sit at your table, we know that one day we will sit and bask in your presence and experience the true joy and glory that is you. Amen.